Welcome to Tell the People with your host, Heather Robinson. Each week, I'll be exploring interesting topics with people who are change makers in the world. If you have a desire to learn like I do, then tune in, be enlightened, raise your awareness, and just have fun. Come on, listen as my guests tell the people all about what sets their soul on fire as they lead and inspire others. Welcome to Tell the People. My guest today is Dawn LaRue, and she is in Mauritius, um, Madagascar, right? Um, Off the coast of Africa. Yes. And I'm really excited to have her today. She is the author of an amazing book uh, published just last fall, 2021, called Ripple Effects. You're not crazy teaching in a new era. Uh, So this is for our educators. This is for anyone who loves an educator, whose mother, father, sister, brother is an educator. Um, Dawn brings to our attention the, the, the brokenness in the system and some solutions on how we can not only survive this education um, change in our world, um, but how we can better support the teachers whose main desire in life is, is to teach. So welcome, Dawn. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so glad that we can finally get together. Um, tell me about your inspiration to write Riffle Effects. So um, that's something that I actually open with. It's, I think, everybody throughout the last year, but especially, well, I can't say especially teachers, but yeah, especially teachers, mm-hmm. had a year of being completely, this was now when I wrote it back in 2020, that first year of the pandemic, I had around about, I would say, mid, mid-pandemic, I had a complete breakdown where it felt as if I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I couldn't, I didn't know how to move on from this. It felt like you were stuck in a little box and there was just no way out. Mm-hmm. So I had to work through that and eventually came to a choice. Either I have to choose myself, I have to choose to be who I actually am, or I have to choose teaching, but I can't do both. That's what it basically came down to because of the relentless pressure and the, and the expectations on, on teachers and on the um, words are difficult today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but just this, it, it feels like a mountain on top of your shoulders and the guilt was killing me. So, and then going through that process, becoming and having to rewrite a lot of narratives that I held about myself and about teaching and about what it means to be a good teacher and going through the process of becoming a, my own leader, my own advocate, that then became this book because I could see it in the teachers around me. I could see they were struggling and everyone was lost. (laughs) Some of us are still lost. So that's where the book came from. I want to help teachers and I want us to change the system from within because our jobs are so important. We have kids in in our class for 
for elementary teachers, it's the entire day. I I see teach I see students at least five hours of every day, not every day, every week. Um, you can make or break a child, and you can you can create incredible things. But if you yourself is broken, if you yourself are not in that space for connection, compassion, and consciousness, you can't give it. So it's really important that the system of education should be supporting teachers first, and it's not. So, and, and, yes. Yeah. And you're finding, I mean, this is, this is global. This is, yeah. you're not teaching in America. You, you are from South Africa, and then you're teaching in, in Africa. Um, and the way we connected was through an entrepreneur, another teacher, Beth Newland, who is providing through the pandemic online, providing support to teachers. And, yeah. and so th this is this is not a conversation that's a niche conversation. This is this is huge. No. Um, I think some places are worse than others. Um, I have been following what's happening in America and I there are a lot of things that we can't relate with. For example, the gun control um, issues. That's not something we don't have school shootings, for example. Um, and that is an additional trauma right. that I can't speak to at all. Um, we do have mass mandates. There's a lot of things that, um, okay, there's a lot of things we can speak to and there's a lot of things we can't speak to, but we can definitely say that the system of education in the majority of places around the world is not set up for teachers or students. It's, and we have, it's yes. not built for us. And we had a conversation, a brief conversation before the recording. Um, if you can expand on how, um, for me, I'm a little bit older than you, um, but it seems like about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the system changed. Um, and, and it was increasing to that. I'm not saying there was a hard stop then or a hard change, um, but the, the method of teaching or the experience of education shifted from um, from learning and idea sharing and developing a free thinker and developing um, more of the Socratic method, like let's, you know, let's think the big things and let's grow these students to um, here we say teaching to the test, um, teaching yeah. to a So talk about that as an educator, um, what, what the detriment to that change that you've seen. So that's just a really interesting point. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a little bit back and then I'm gonna bring bring it forward okay. again. So if you look at the history of education, kids have always been taught, whether it was in the home or in the fields or wherever else, there was always someone who was providing knowledge to kids in whatever form that took. And then you have the Socratic method that started with the Greeks, and it was also in Africa during that time where kids were taught formally mainly math and science and languages. Those were your main, your main ones. But it was about generating ideas. It was about developing ideas. It was about developing society and philosophical sort of. It wasn't necessarily towards a specific job or a specific career or a specific way you have to be. Um, then obviously with the industrial revolution is where things change then schools sort of became industrialized as well or mass produced if you want to put it that way and since about then i would say there's been a slow a slow walk 
to where we are today, where education is completely focused, in some cases, not all, on the end goal of you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever else. But it's not about creating new knowledge, which is if you look at the dreams taxonomy, that's the, the final point, the tip point, the, the goal. You are focused on the bottom tiers, which is being able to recall knowledge, mm-hmm. being able to regurgitate information. And that's that's the that's the problem we have. There's a big gap where students have the knowledge, but they're not able to apply it always, and they're not able to create new knowledge. And that's yeah. a big gap. Um, how that happened is debatable and controversial, but this is where we are right now. And I, even if you look at curriculums like the IB curriculum, which is what I'm teaching, where they have a big focus on global contexts and on um, debate and creating new ideas, you are still teaching to a test at the end of the day. So, and I personally believe that this change of education that we desperately need is gonna come from teachers. We're the ones who are gonna have to Right, because with, as, as someone who steps into teaching, it's, it's your passion, it's your, it's your spiritual gift. And to be, yeah. and to not be able to, it's like being an artist, a painter, and you're not provided, you're not provided any materials. You're painting, you know, you, you don't have the oils, you don't have the acrylics, you don't have the brushes, you're trying to paint with dirt. And you can, you can be an artist and figure out how to paint with dirt. But it's so excruciating. And I see that with so many um, teachers that I know. Um, uh, again, I'm, I'm older. So my, my age group, they're looking toward, okay, how many more years do I have to do this? And it's so yeah. sad to see that because they have so much knowledge. At, at 52, we have a lot of life under our belt and experience, and they want to just run. And even more sad, even more just alarming to me are the number of teachers that are in their 20s who have just started uh, down this path. And, of, and they're, they're like, no, I can't do it. I, I don't want to do it. Um, tell me what you're seeing in that respect with, um, as you have communicated with other teachers upon writing this book, um, what is the mass exodus of teachers? There's a mass exodus of teachers. I know Americans struggles at the moment with a mass shortage of teachers and they're not only shortage of teachers, but shortage of subs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the same trend, not to that extent, but you can see the same trend throughout the world. I'm going to exclude some of the countries in like the top of Europe because their, their system is much different. But what I'm seeing is, for example, I've been teaching for, oh, geez, seven years. And I'm thinking of leaving, as an example, not leaving education. I'll always be a teacher, but the school, but the school system itself. Um, you have teachers who have been, been teaching for a year and they immediately drop out. They say, nope, we're not doing this. It's not for me. You have teachers who are veterans who have been teaching for years and years and years, and this is their absolute passion, who say that they great waking up in the morning and they can't, they have no emotional energy to give to their students. They don't even know their student's name anymore, not because they don't care, but because they are running on empty, not even fumes. It's just empty. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the teachers who are leaving are either going into corporate jobs, so they might go into human resources, they might go into development, so they might be developing online resources, things like that. Some of them are going on social media, becoming mentors for teachers. I see this quite a lot in the veteran teachers, especially. Um, veteran to me is like nine years plus. Mm -hmm. So they would then become mentors for teachers online and they would provide support, they'll provide mental health support, they will provide um, training for how to deal with certain things, which is excellent because normally you're just expected to swim or drown. Yes. You know, and then other teachers are leaving the school, but they're not finished teaching. So they will do online teaching or they would do what we call now, well, what I call now, I don't know if that's a thing, but professional homeschooling. So let's yes. say there's an amount of students 10 or whatever, and they've been pulled out of school for various reasons, then you'll have three or four professional teachers who then take over their education with the curriculums they have professional training in, of course. So, and I think this is how the system's gonna change. The more and more teachers who do their healing and who do work on themselves and have really, really radical self-care and says no, I'm not doing this, not because I'm sad, not because I'm angry, just because this is wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And the more and more people do this and step up, and the more compassionate and conscious leaders we have in school, the system will change from the inside out, which is what the ripple effect is all about. Whether you decide to stay in school for yourself or you decide to leave school for yourself, either way, those ripple effects all we'll good. It will, oh, it will make a change. I love that. You 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 rounded that off so nicely. I can tell you're a teacher. <laughs> um, that that was that's beautiful. And um, yes, the the professional homeschool model is is catching fire um, in, yeah. in a big way. It was it's been poo pooed in America for s several decades. And you know, oh no, that's not going to work there. Um, our children need socialization, and they do. Um, I, am, I am amazed every day at, at the number of families who are choosing to pull their children out of formal um, teaching or education and, and putting together a home, cob, cobbling, really just revolutionary. Our, our education system is changing again. We are fundament, We are not going back. It's fundamentally changing. Big Pluto return in February. The world is changing. It's yeah. going from corporate to community. That's yeah. sort of what I'm thinking. It's going from this mass-produced educational thing that is purely based on power, control, censorship, and agenda, political agenda. You know, you have these individual clusters that's saying, actually, no. No, that's not for me. No, that's wrong. And you have these little clusters of communities and they are doing education in a revolutionary way, which I completely agree, we're not going back. Right. The education system itself has to fundamentally change. And you can see that in little clusters happening, but what we want is we want those clusters to connect and we want that energy to spread. Yes. I'm not saying down with schools, I'm saying down with the systems that exist in schools. Right, right. <laughs> up, with, up with change, up with growth, yeah. up with the, with the new, a new way. 
and we're not going back. Let's do a new way. So yeah, we courageously and compassionately put yes. those put values at the center. Yes, and the understanding yeah. that we all need education. We're going to mm -hmm. teach in some respect, and the acknowledgement that among these children that we're teaching, we're gonna expect for them to be teachers. And so we're modeling, teachers are modeling for them the existence that we want them to step in. We want to raise up more teachers. And if it is so abysmal and your teacher is gray and sad and the kids You're feel it. No, they feel yeah. it, they feel it. And they don't, They why would they want to be that when, when they're told, you know, there's no money, there's no joy. It's a dead end. You're going to treat it terribly and you're judged terribly no matter what you do. Um, this is an interesting thing that you brought up that I also spoke about in the book about valuing yourself, about the value you give yourself versus the value that society or whoever gives you. I have a chapter about it called The Good Teacher, um, where we're taught a good teacher is one who never complains, who does the work who puts in extra hours until 4 a.m. or wakes up at where whenever to get the job done who has to cry alone and silently because you don't want to make anyone uncomfortable mm -hmm. um basically keep quiet keep your head down put the students first um that's what we would say the good teacher is and if you don't do that you are you are judged as a bad teacher. Now, to me, a bad teacher is very synonymous with also like a bad woman. Mm -hmm. There's like you have like the caretaker um, mentality of you have to put, you have to be selfless, right? That's what the good teacher does. You're selfless. Well, but yes, and we're and, and we're assigning because it's an archetype. We're assigning a gender to the teacher, yeah, the yeah, mother, the caregiver, yeah. and, it, and it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's so not because um, teacher is genderless. But when I hear you, I had not thought about this before. When I hear you describing um, what you are supposed to be, what the qualities of a good teacher are, um, you know, put up and shut up, like do your job. You do it, you do it when we tell yeah. you to do it, you do it to these measures. And, and it's those are the qualifications of a soldier. Like it's yeah. great. like if in order for us all to achieve and, and conquer this hill or do this thing, you have to eat when we tell you, you sleep when we tell you. If it's in the foxhole, it's in the foxhole. If it's in the bunk, then you the, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> the teachers will get that one. Yep. Right. It's a, um, it is. And for you to be, to get out of this drudgery, you need to say, no, I'm not selfless without a self. Teachers need to be full of ourselves. We need to be like, this is who I am. This is my knowledge. This is my expertise. I'm a professional in what I do. I'm smart. I'm kind. I'm generous. This is my spiritual gifts. And you need to get that value, stand in that value. And, and only then can you present that value to the students, right? And then right. be able to, to be someone that they can connect with and to, and then we can get more teachers who are courageous and compassionate and kind. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've, we've complained for the first half of this and we've, yeah, this is all, these are all the things, you know, we're waving the flag of rebellion. So I, your book also offers 
um, resolution, like how, how to keep going or how to evaluate and say, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be a change maker and do it a different way. Talk to me about the, the, I, I, I'm a student of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I, I yeah. you know, I, I love that. And you've reimagined it in your book. Tell me, um, for the listeners who may not know what the hierarchy of needs, the scale is. So speak a little bit to that and then how you reimagined it for the new teacher. Um, All right. So I was actually trained um, in psychology as well. So I did a double major or a dual major, that's what you would call it. Um, so I had psychology as well. And I remember, if you want to put it like in college, psychology 101, you would do Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I loved it. And there's also a book, oh, I can't remember what it's called, Viktor Frankl. Yeah, he wrote yes. a book. Yes. And um, I connect those two quite a lot. But the hierarchy of need is basically you can't focus on philosophical debates and about equity versus inequality and things like that until you've met basic needs, like your survival needs. I don't have the massive thing in front of me, so you're going to have to help me a little bit. But you have survival at the bottom, and then you have your self-actualization at the top. Well, and so, the original, and the original yeah, Maslow yeah. is a triangle. And so yeah. the bottom is um, warmer, safer, drier. I mean, it's, it's food, yeah, it's shelter, it's just your survival skills. And then it's um, comfort or love or acceptance. And, and this one, I'm going to hold it up for anybody who's watching in the video. I love that you have rounded the edges because it's a, you've made it a circle instead of a triangle because we're reaching the epicenter, not the peak. And it flows like this. They all, it flows in and out. It's not a stair step. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and I think that is so important because it does flow. You can't find any joy in or any meaning in love someone in the love someone else has for you if you don't believe you deserve it so self-love so they talk about self-actualization as being the peak and only certain people reach it like your Nelson Mandela's for example I put that as the center so self-actualization and self-love believing that you have the ability believing that you are deserving believing that you are loved and cared for and well, yeah, deserving is 100% the center. And from there, you have joy and gratitude in your warmth, in, in your needs being met, in the home that you have, in the comforts that you have. And from there, everything else flows because you can't feel safe in the world if you are unsafe inside your own skin. It's just... The entire world is unsafe until you find safety within your own heart and soul. Yes, I love it. And, and teachers need to understand that because a lot of us are caregivers. And if you look at psychology and at your neural connections and how it's formed throughout childhood, a lot of us are caregivers. Yes, it's a spiritual gift, but we've also been through some shit. Right. And, teachers and are human too. Yeah, and a lot of us don't believe that we're deserving of care, love, and protection, and safety. So until you get to the bottom of that and do the really hard healing work, you're not going to feel safe and secure in the world. You're just not. 
I love this um, paragraph in your book, in this chapter, and it says, we are all teachers. We deserve school cultures based on who we are and what we do for each other, rather than on what we don't know and can't do. We deserve cultures based on care, love, trust, and support. We deserve shared spaces of learning, meaning, and transformation embedded in the beauty of the human connection. And going back to what we discussed earlier, um, and maybe we said it on the show or in our in our coffee talk before, education has become a corporation, not a nurturing. The, the teacher is, you know, in some respects, still expected to be the caregiver and the nurturer and the mentor, and but it's it's a it's an AI teacher who's robotic, and there's no room for um, attention and care on a student. And to and to and to notice their to notice their places of need when we are have our foot on the gas to get to the end goal. When it's exactly yes, it's if you fall behind, you fall behind. Tough. Um, yeah, and if you yourself have unmet needs and have spaces inside you that need care that isn't getting the care it needs and you're just going full throttle because you have deadlines to meet you have parents that are erased and at your back and you have admin that won't give you a break there is no space for any student to connect to you there's yeah. no space so yeah. you need to take that space and we need to and we deserve that space we deserve the human connection and schools need to be spaces of human connection because that's what teaching is in the end of the day it is creating mutual meaning in spaces of shared connection yes that's what that's what learning is um i guess uh, at the end of last year maybe november december time runs together i we're on a no timeline right now i don't, I don't know how, i don't know how teachers do it because i can't i don't know what day it is anymore um but I had the fortune um, to have a friend of mine in, in my home. She came to visit and she is teaching in um, a neighboring county school system in North Carolina. And they are, we're still on online school. Um, and so she could, you know, if you're on online school, you can teach from anywhere. So she came in on a Thursday night to spend the weekend. And so on Friday morning, she is um, steps away at my kitchen table slash office slash um, artist zone slash dining room <laughs> teaching. Um, and I'm over here on the couch and I'm eavesdropping. I like to say people listening, not eavesdropping. I'm listening to her and talk to her students online. And she had set up a time. Um, she teaches high school and uh, she set up a time on that Friday that each student had to um, select, I think a, a 10 minute or 15, a 10 minute segment with her. So she was doing yeah. one on one, going into the weekend, like just a, a catch up, a, a visit the teacher. And the kids who popped in and I could hear them, I couldn't see the kids and some had A's and she's like, okay, what's going on? You're doing great. And she would listen to the students, like well, I have an A, but I'm worried about this. And she said, honey, why are you worried? You're good you got this. And I'm watching, I'm listening to her coach D students and A students for an hour and a half. And there were students who came up in the queue and you could hear, she's like, put your camera on, put your camera on. Um, what's going on? 
it, it, you haven't done any of the assignments. Do you want to pass the class? And at first there was a little bit of tough love. And I'm like, man, you're being, you're being tough. And then I saw what, what I saw her method of teaching. And she said, okay, what's going on in your life? This is not recorded. This is off the channel. What's going on? And these students would open up to her and say, um, well, um, my dad left and my mom is working two jobs. And so I have to have a job and I'm doing this and this broke and this. And it was it was normal. I'm, I'm going to normalize it because it is normal. Kids don't get to be kids. Long. And she said, OK, do you need this class? Do you need this class? Or, or and, and one student said, no, I really it's an elective. And she goes, honey, drop it. It's going to be OK. And he was afraid. He was afraid to drop. And so she counseled him through, it's okay. It's just an elective. You don't have to do this. It's not a failure. It's okay. And then there were other students who, um, and she pulled them out and said, tell me what's going on. And um, some were crying and, you know, I'm, I, I can't do this. I'm working this other job. And she said, um, off record, I, I'm not supposed to do this. And this is the new, this is the model of the nurturer teacher. I want to yeah. see you succeed. You're so close. You do need this class. Do you want, what are your goals? What do you, and so she said, record. can I, can I talk to your employer and find out if there's any way he's like, my, my computer was broken. Let me see. And he worked for a computer repair. Let me see if he can loan you one. Let me see. Oh. And so he intervened. She talked to the whoever the HR of the school I don't know what that you know student resources but she she took the time and intervened and and get and I I just I I, I cried my own oh, you are this is your gift but to hear for the past two years leading up to listening to her do her job she's burned out I mean she's I was gonna say this she teaches to the kids not to the curriculum she takes the time and you focus it so then but the amount and the majority of teachers we have that's what we do yeah. but the amount of emotional energy that takes is something yeah. that is it's hidden yes. um i read an article the other day about the hidden work of teaching and there was a, a or like the hidden labor thereof and this is the emotional labor and i think it was also about moms as well, the hidden work of parenting um and this is what it is now if that teacher who's giving this emotional support and is taking that from her own self and giving it and intervening and that takes time effort and love but that teacher is not supported by admin. And then they're going to say, oh, but you had this hour and a half. Why didn't you go through a test? Yeah. Or why are you wasting time? Or this is not your concern. Or it's above your pay grade. This is not what we pay you for. Or whatever else they come up with. If that teacher is not supported, she is going to burn out and break down. Well, absolutely. That's because then, then you get to the mindset of, I, you know, I am a teacher and the only children's grades I want to care about are my own. Like I, yeah. I have two children and, and, and a job and, you know, and she also is an entrepreneur. She, she's a speaker. She's doing a Ted talk this year. I mean, she's got her oh, own. Congratulations for your friend. Uh, yeah. She's That's amazing. Her, 
but that burnout is so real because it's not support. The teacher isn't supported. Um, it's not, we're not supported. We're not like you telling us talking about spiritual gifts. And I love that. And the majority, I can't say all schools, but many schools do not see teaching as a spiritual gift or anything else. You're just, you're, it's, I'm not saying it's not a job. It is a job, but it is also a job that not everybody can do. And it needs to be valued for what it is, which well, is, yeah. which is the gift. It's a service, yeah, it but it's a gift. It is a service yeah. and it's a calling and it's a gift. And we honor the teacher when it's, oh my gosh, I couldn't put up with my child all day, much less 30 other people's children, much less a hundred other people's children because you change classes. You don't have just one class. So we yeah. honor it when it's the babysitter. And then we poo-poo it when the babysitter doesn't wash the dishes when she, when we Yeah, leave. or the yeah. babysitter has boundaries and all of a sudden, then we don't like the babysitter anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, so self-care has a new understanding the new hierarchy of needs everybody teachers you need this book um talk to but me i'm about, talking about like not self-care like bubble bars i'm talking a yeah. radical self-care yes. boundaries that are solid i'm talking getting to your deep emotional needs and giving yourself what you need first which is hard it's not easy to do that because we're taught you're not supposed to but, right. Sorry. No, you're absolutely right. Self-care, we we normalize that with self-care as a manicure, a pedicure, and um, you go have wine with a girlfriend. Like, no, um, this isn't five o'clock happy hour teacher's night out. This is, I have to make definite choices for my family. And it may mean stepping away from my my chosen career as a teacher and finding another resource that helps me use my spiritual gifts and talents in a way that is appreciated yes or it's saying where you are but pissing some people off yes and being okay with that yeah light it up burn it down your chapter burn <laughs> it down burn down the burn system down. yeah i love it um talk to me about the grief and forgiveness chapter we we spoke about this a little bit earlier yeah um this is so the book is based around something, I'm sorry, I'm going to take it back again. My grandfather used to say that a, a monk that lives on top of his mountain is no use to anyone. You have to be able to live in the world and take each step in your values. That was something that he said. So the, whole, the book is sort of based around, in the beginning, you're in a forest, you don't know where you are, it's, it's terrible. And then trying to find your way out, getting up the mountain, blah, blah, blah. But then you have to come back down. You've had your journey of healing, but now you have to come back down and be able to live in the world. Um, and one of the things that's constant is this thing of we've lost part of ourselves. So that bright eye teacher we used to be in, in year one, thinking we're going to change the world and we're going to make such a big impact. That person's not there anymore. We're, we've, we've gone through some shit. Um, we've, we've lost parts of ourselves in the pandemic and this isn't just for teachers, it's for everyone, I would say. We've lost loved ones, not only through um, them moving on, but also very genuinely, we've, people have changed or we've seen people or however you want to put it, but there's a lot of grief that we're carrying around. And the process of grief or what it, what it does in your brain, neurologically, 
is exactly the same, whether you are grieving, losing part of yourself, losing elements of the life you used to have. It's the same chemical and neurological response that if you've lost someone. So the process is very much the same. So grief and forgiveness goes hand in hand. So it's this constant thing of almost, I wouldn't say forgiving yourself for who you used to be, but forgiving, and how do I say this in a way that's not offensive? I think so. Forgiving yourself for wanting something different. For, yeah, you know, forgiving yourself for not being able to be who you thought you would be, but for being who yes. you are. Yes, yes. Forgiving, your, forgiving yourself for changing the plan. Like you get to change the script. If it's not working, find another way to make it work. And yeah. and, and forgiving yourself for, for doing that. Yeah. And for not being the person you thought you were going to be or the teacher you were going to be or forgiving yourself for having to put yourself first because that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I think anyone who is a mom or a teacher can say that putting yourself first is, is tough and there's a lot of guilt that goes with that. There's a lot of grief that goes with that. So that's something you have to forgive yourself for. Knowing it's the right thing to do doesn't mean it's easy or that yeah. it doesn't take much at all. So that's yeah. this whole forgiveness thing that needs to go continuously it doesn't stop and honor honoring honoring that change yes yeah and for the teachers who are leaving or thinking of leaving it's so difficult because of the guilt and the grief because we're because we're it's not it's never just us you're thinking of oh but the students need me or my colleagues need me and yeah it's true they do need you and you're going to leave and you're going to leave a big part of their lives and that's something you have to forgive yourself for yes so it's true Hmm. that's it's it's tough it's tough we're in a tough spot we're not going back we're not going back back. the world is but every single step like this every single teacher who steps up speaks out forgives themselves for every single conversation like this creates Mm -hmm. change it gives energy into the world and that energy changes it's because the first law of thermodynamics, energy can't be created or destroyed. Ooh, it's just yeah. transferred and transformed. So yeah. every time we have these conversations, every time a teacher says no, that energy gets transferred and it will transform the system. Maybe not tomorrow, but it will. But it's the ripple effect. It's the it's ripple. The it begins the ripple effect. It begins the ripple effect. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have one more chapter that was just profound for me reading your book. Um, and it was the uh, the section about the authentic imposter, that buzzword we have now about imposter syndrome. Um, I hate yeah. it. Um, talk, talk to me about the authentic imposter in the education um, realm. Well, I think it comes from this feeling that I think we all have of not being good enough. You're not a good enough parent or not a good enough partner or you're not a good enough teacher. But the teaching is what I'm focused on. Why do we have this constant feeling I'm not good enough? So that's where the imposter syndrome sort of, I would say manifests from. 
and it comes from socialization and the way that your brain networks have formed with that with that thought pattern. So the authentic imposter is sort of giving a different narrative to that, saying, well, if you have that, the constant thought that, oh, I'm actually not good at my job, or I'm not a good teacher, or I'm not, I'm actually just don't know what I'm doing. Everybody feels like that. It's not just you, you are not alone. Everybody sometimes feels not good enough or that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. But the authentic imposter is doing it anyway. Yes. And doing it your best. And, and I hate that fake it till you make it because I don't like fake. Yeah. And it's no, not, not fake, fake till you make it. Doing it. It's just do it till you make it. Just do it. Just do it yeah. till you make it. You're not faking it. Well, they say doing that it. doing it in a trying. Yes. By doing it, you're doing it, you know? Yeah. And you do the best you can and then you let it go. Yes. So you are being authentically you and feeling like you don't know what you're doing, but you're doing it anyway. So that's the authentic imposter part. Yes. Because while you're struggling with all of these thoughts of not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy enough, you could have just been doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. And you're allowed, yeah. you're allowed to, you're allowed to, you're allowed to change. You're allowed to forgive yourself. You're allowed to, you're allowed you're allowed to, to grieve. The past. You're allowed to um, put your needs, your self-actualized needs first and create ripple effects that yeah changing change I'm, I'm wrapping it all up in a nice little lifestyle marketing bow um Thank to put to, to change you're only in it's only in realizing what we don't want what we are no longer able to live with tolerate stand um survive that's when the change comes and it's it feels wrong and it feels like rebellion because we're going against the system, but we're going against a system that is horribly broken and does not support, it, it supports, it doesn't support human, a compassionate humanity. And that's exactly. what, that is what you need, to say, you need to say yes to yourself and no to everything else and let it burn. Yes, let it burn, let it burn. Well, I don't think we can wrap up on a better note than that. Let it burn, light it up. Dawn, thank you so much. Um, once thank again, you. I enjoyed this so much. Yes, it has been a long time coming. Um, find Dawn. Um, I'll put all the links below wherever you're listening or watching this. Um, the book is Ripple Effects. You're not crazy teaching in a new era. And she has great resources and um, inspiration to help our, our, our educators or anyone um, understand a mother, a father, you need to understand if you are touched by the education system at all, and we all are, this is a book for you because it's only when we all recognize the brokenness that we're able to demand um, a, a change and the change is voting in different types of education, um, our policies, our procedures from a grassroots level, it's time. It's time to create the ripple effects into history. So Dawn, thank, thank you. you. Goosebumps. Thank, thank you so you. much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Heather. Thank you.
If you'd like to be a guest on Tell the People, then contact me at wellhelloheather at gmail.com. I'll look forward to talking to you.